Good morning. Am I on? Jolly good. Let me just sort myself out. Well, it's already going better than I dreamt last night because I dreamt I came up and I had no trousers on. <laughs> so it's already going much better. Than what I thought. Thanks. Yeah. No, Paul's right. The last time I actually preached was the 11th of November 2001, nearly 10 years ago. And I remember very clearly when Nigel asked me, he said, Ali, will you do a kind of a joint preach with me? And I was quite resistant, I guess, in a way. I said, I could think of lots of different ideas why that was not a good idea. Uh, But Nigel wouldn't take no for an answer. And uh, after saying yes, he said, that's fantastic. We're preaching on the end times, and I want you to tell people where they go when they die. (laughs) And uh, I just remember being cut of fear... Um, and then I remember two weeks before we came to preach, he said, oh, Alice, I'm not sure if I remember, I, I can't remember if I told you, but Claire's due to give birth that day, so I may not get there. <laughs> so you can imagine, as when Paul and me ooh, had conversations about dates for when I was going to preach this morning, the first question I had was, what's the subject? And the second one, well, no, I won't say what the second question was. <laughs> so this morning, it's a really great privilege, and I really feel that I've heard God in this, and I'm going to be talking on the whole subject of forgiveness. And it's great to celebrate what God's done for us, isn't it? It's great to worship and celebrate. I thought worship was amazing. And it's great. And and I just want the whole of the rest of the the morning to be in that similar vein. We just want to be thankful for God and what he's done for us. And I want to kind of go through the story of how we're here um, as kind of Christians, if you're saved here this morning. And as Sam say, if if you're a a visitor here, you are so very welcome. We love seeing you here. And the next 30 or 40 minutes or so, don't disengage, but please engage with us because I feel this message is just as much for you as anyone else here this morning, okay? So we're going to be going through our series in Colossians, Live Your Life. So if you'll turn with me to Colossians 3, verses 12 to 17. We've been going through a series on Colossians, which was a letter, an epistle written to a church in Colossae, and it was later circulated to one or two other churches like Laodicea. And the more I look into this this town, Colossae, it seems quite similar to our own. And what I mean by that is there was an established church in the town, but there was also lots of different cultures in the town and lots of different ideas, new agey ideas, uh, different mysticisms, uh, different kind of spiritualities, I guess, in the sense that people were quite open to the spiritual in lots of different areas. And uh, what happened to the church in Colossae is that they started to introduce some of these ideas. We're not entirely sure exactly what they are. Uh, but he, he introduced, they were introducing, or there's some of this new agey stuff coming into the church. And Paul writes this letter as a correction. He writes it as an encouragement to stick with Christ, to stick with the gospel, which is God, Christ is all and is in all. Okay, so let's pick this up at verse 12 then of chapter 3. If you haven't got a Bible, I'd recommend going and buy one. It's the best purchase you'll ever make. But if you haven't got one here this morning, it'll come up behind me. It says in verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in, your, dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. That's what we did this morning. 
And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I feel quite a weight of responsibility this morning in bringing this word. I know that forgiveness is not necessarily an easy pill to swallow. Um, I know that there's going to be some kind of complications in your hearts and questions. So will you just join me as I pray? I want to invite God to come and minister to us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your mercy. Lord, I thank you for your abundant grace. Lord, thank you that you chose dirty, rotten sinners. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would equip me to preach with clarity, keeping true to your word. And I pray, Lord, would you give people the ears to hear and the heart softened to receive what you want to speak to us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Okay, forgiveness. I'm not quite sure what your view on forgiveness is. I'm not quite sure how you would define forgiveness. But at the early stages of uh, my preparation for this morning, um, I did quite some in-depth research. I was looking kind of secularly as well. What are the views of forgiveness out there? And you may be able to relate to one or two of these. Uh, You might not. Uh, But basically, some would say that forgiveness is just letting it go. Uh, They might say it's just letting someone off. That's forgiveness. You know, you just let someone off. Uh, the deal. Uh, It might be that you don't talk bad about someone. So when someone does something wrong to you, you might spite them, you might talk badly, you might gossip about them, but once that's subsided, once you actually stop talking bad about someone, people say that you're in a place of forgiveness. Now, I'm sure that many would say that forgiveness is a good or a noble thing to do, and in fact, if you were to type forgive in the Google, it would come up with over 23 million pages. Okay? Forgiveness is a hot topic, right? Everyone needs and wants forgiveness. Now, what's interesting is that the world has absolutely nothing to offer by means of forgiveness to make you just and right with God. Do you know that? The world has nothing to offer to make us just with God. There is true forgiveness available. There is whole forgiveness available. But it's only in one place, and that's at the foot of the cross. And that's what we've been celebrating this morning, and I want to unpack that a little bit today. If there's one consideration out of these verses I want, to take home, I want you to take home, it's this. Our forgiveness of others is a choice which reflects our understanding of God's grace and forgiveness on our own lives. Let me say that again. Our forgiveness of others is a choice which reflects our understanding of God's grace and forgiveness on our own lives. Now look, forgiveness is difficult, right? And, I, and I, I don't, I'm by no means an expert, I'm learning in this, and over the past several years I've had to deal with forgiveness in a way which I hoped I'd never have to. And I don't pretend to know all of the issues in this room because I know they're vast. But I just want to say that I believe that we serve a God of love who knows every situation in this room this morning. I believe that. And I believe he has a vested interest in working through these situations both for your good and for his glory. Okay, so as we unpack this morning, please just kind of put aside maybe your ideas on forgiveness and we're going to look at what the Bible says about what it is to forgive. I may cry like a baby because this this is emotional for me. Just ignore me, I'll get over it. All right, okay. (laughs) Right, we're going to be doing this in two sections, okay? We're going to be looking at God's choice to forgive And then we're going to be looking at our choice. What's our response to that? We're going to look at our choice to forgive. Okay, the first thing to say, under God's choice, okay, so this is part one, God's choice. There has been an offence. There's been an offence. 
Okay? And the offence is not against man, it's against God. Okay? And this morning, we're not the jury, we're not the judge, we are the offenders. All of us have sinned against God. We have all offended God. Each and every one of us. Okay? Well, what's the, what's the offence, Alan? What's the offence? In order to, go to see the offence, right, we're going to stem right back to Genesis. Now, don't turn there, because I'm just going to read a couple of sentences from Genesis. But I believe we need to go back to the beginning to understand the severity of the offence. Okay? It says this in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. That's important. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In the beginning of time, God created the whole world. The whole universe, all creation belongs to God. But there is a distinct difference between me and you to dogs, to cats, to trees, to mud, to everything else. There's a distinct difference and that is purely that you are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And God is holy. God is righteous. There is nothing of God which is uh, ill or disturbed or wrong or sinful. God is pure and holy. Okay? And God made us in his image. And we've got to believe that God made us holy. The way that we are now is not the way that God intended it to be. Okay? God intended us to be pure and holy. Okay? Now, there has been an offence. God blessed man with everything that he needed. It says that every seed bearing plant on the earth was man's. Every beast that roams the field, every bird in the air, man was in control. Look, God blessed us with everything that we would ever need. There was no lack in all he gave. We had everything that we needed. Yet, there was an offence. And the offence was this, we turned our back on God and we chose to put ourselves in the position of God. That was the offence. That was the offence. And though God provided for every need, we despised him, we rejected him. You see, we weren't hungry for food, we were hungry for power. And you know, even today, people have this assumption that they can have any power at all without God. But God sustains us. Okay? Well, Alan, I hear you talking about Adam and Eve and the beginning of time, but how does that relate to me? I'm not sure whether I was that bad. I'm not sure whether I would have done that if I was there, you know, walking, if I was walking with God in the garden. I don't know if I would have done that. Okay, well, let's look at these verses that we just read, Colossians. Right, there's some godly attributes here. And let you just, just stir your heart now. How are you at these? Compassion, kindness, humility, patience. I mean, have you always done this? Can you think of opportunities where you've fallen short? I mean, ask, ask my wife. I know that I have fallen short of patience numerous times. Gentleness. It says it's being thankful to God. Are you always thankful to God? Bringing peace to others? Where have you fallen short? It says in the Bible that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 All of us have offended. All of us have offended. Second point, there must be justice. There must be justice. Do you think that we could get away with our sins? I mean, what, what would happen? You know, what would happen if God just turned a blind eye to our sin? What would happen if God turned a blind eye to your neighbour's sin, to your enemy's sin? 
God doesn't turn a blind eye. God is just, he is holy. He must judge. Okay? We need to understand the severity of this. You know, we've put God in a position where God must judge. Okay, God being holy, he cannot alleviate sin, he cannot push it away or ignore it or turn his back on it. Sin must be dealt with. God is holy and all have received a verdict of guilty and a sentence of separation from God resulting in certain spiritual death and physical death too. Such is the severity of our sin. And God cannot waive the sentence. You will not get off on a technicality. You cannot bid that there's been a misruling or that there are no appeals, there are no claims to human rights, that I haven't got my human right. The only human right we have is judgment before the throne of God. That's the only human right we have. And praise God that the story doesn't end there. Praise God the story doesn't end there. Third point, God chose to forgive dirty, rotten sinners. Like you and, me, you and me, God chose to forgive sinners. Do you know that we are living in the blessing of God's choices? God has chosen to bless us. Though he sustains us, we despised him. God chose to forgive us. God chose to come running after you. A sovereign grace. If you think you had anything to do with your graces and your salvation, you're totally wrong. You couldn't have cared less. You couldn't have cared less. God chose and ran after you. It says this, God demonstrated his love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Each and every one of us, Christ died for us. Last week, was, uh, Matt was talking about um, Colossians just before. It says in verse 11, what Matt picked up last week, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, that was a nomadic people group, right? Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. You know, we are not a club. We are not even a registered charity. We are a collection, we are a collective of individuals predestined, chosen before the creation of the world to be in his wonderful family and part of his beautiful bride. That's who we are in Christ. That's who we are in Christ. Ephesians 2.19, that we are no longer foreigners, but we are now members of Christ's body with Christ as the cornerstone. That is who we are. And why? Because of what we've done? Because of what we've done? No, we're dirty, rotten sinners. By our achievements? No, we've missed it by a mile. We've missed it by a mile. A guy called Warren Wearsby in his book, Be Complete, says this, The miracle of divine election did not depend on anything that we are or that we have done. But God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 1.4. If God saved a sinner on the basis of merit or works, nobody would be saved. It is all done through God's grace that it may all bring glory to God. We offer God our very worst. God gives us the very best. In preparing for this message this morning, I'm going to read this, all right? In preparing for this message this morning, I was challenged again at just how outrageous it is for a judge who is just and holy, who had every right, every right, to extinguish the life of those who so readily despised him, yet in union with his son, would plan and undertake a rescue operation of such magnitude, suffering such atrocity and anguish, 
and why, all in the name of forgiveness, God chose to forgive you. God chose to forgive you. Do you know that it costs the forgiver to forgive? It forgives, it costs the forgiver to forgive. And do you know that for God to forgive you, when he made the choice to forgive you, it cost him his one and only son on the cross. The punishment is not waived. The punishment is not swept under the carpet. The punishment was death. Justice had to be done. And the judgment was death. And death wasn't waived. Death was placed on his son on the cross. Nailed to the cross, triumphing over it. Colossians 2.13. Christ did that for you and for me. Listen to this beautiful song. This has been living with me all week. Oh, redemption, sweet redemption. Satan has no hold on me. Now I have indemnity. My debt is paid and I am free. So impoverished in my sin, I would have died. But my king's eternal ransom did my every need provide. Oh, the cross, my final plea, nor else to offer thee but what Christ did for me. A million sins incurred my fall, but Christ died once and crushed them all. Isn't that amazing? And that's the story of the cross. That's the story of the cross, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that God, who was pure, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness and goodness of God. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Stop squeaking. (laughs) Has there been an offence? Has there been an offence? Yes, there have been countless. Is God just to judge? Yes, the Bible says he's the righteous judge of all the earth. Did God need to choose us? No, he loved us regardless. Did it cost him everything? Did it cost him to forgive? It cost him everything. He laid down his life to forgive. And can I just say this morning that God is not in hiding at all. God is not in hiding. God is not reluctant to save. Because I think there's a myth here. People think God is reluctant. Why would God send people to hell? You know, God is not reluctant to save, but is calling all people to repent, that they may find true forgiveness in a world which knows no forgiveness and live a life of righteousness within Christ. This is God's desire. This is, what's God, this is God's heart. And if you have never considered this, this morning, if you have never considered God's forgiveness, his full forgiveness on your life, we're going to have an opportunity later to respond. Okay? So that's God's choice. That's what God has done. That's God's choice to forgive. We as dirty, rotten sinners... No obligation to forgive, yet God did so willingly because of his love for us, each and every one of us. And whether you are a Christian here this morning or not, Jesus died for each and every one of you. Okay, moving on. So second point, our choice. So this is part two, okay? This is where the rubber hits the road. In fact, I'm just going to pray again because I really need God's help with this one. Lord, thank you again for your forgiveness. Thank you that we are a blessed people. But Lord, we understand that sometimes you command us to forgive. And Lord, that that hurts. That's difficult, Lord. But I pray that as a response of what we understand in your true word, 
I pray, would you help us to respond to your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Point one again, and we're going to repeat the same points of the previous. God's choice now is our choice. There has been an offence, yes? There's been an offence. Okay? We have all been offended. We have all offended one another. Okay? And uh, we don't live in isolation, but we live in a community. Now, one thing I should say is one, Colossians is written to the church, yeah? So within the context of Colossians, it's important to say that this is talking about hurts within the church. Right? We hurt within the church. Okay? And although this kind of, what I'm going to be talking about, yeah, will relate outside the church, this is about us as a church, as a community, as a body of God. We hurt. We live in isolation. Okay? And often it's by accident. Right? Often it is unintentional, but sometimes it is intentional, isn't it? Okay? The Bible is not naive to this. Okay? Even Jesus, when he, when he prays the, the Lord's Prayer, he says, Father, forgive them as I forgive those who sin against them. Something like that. Yeah? Forgive me as I... Sanctivate, sanctification is a process. Okay? When you, when you become saved, we don't become perfect overnight, do we? Okay? I know it's hard to see. He was kind of such a specimen like Santino. But even Santino's still in a grape or two. Alright? We've all fallen short and we wrong one another. Okay? Let me ask you this, okay? I'm just going to leave for a moment. What's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that you have ever done? What's the worst thing that someone has ever done to you? And how did that make you feel? Violated? Rejected? Misused? Abused? There has been an offence. We are offended. Point two, there must be justice. Do you know that justice is a God-given thing? Do you know that? God desires justice. And we desire justice. Justice is in all of us. Can you just think of an example, maybe, where you're, reading, you're kind of reading the news or we're watching the news and there's a story and you just think, ah, where's the justice? Justice is in all of us. And it's a God-given thing. God wants justice. The question this morning is who is responsible for justice? That's the question. And I think this is the crux of forgiveness, okay? So whatever your definition was of forgiveness, this is, what, this is my definition. I haven't read this anywhere. This is out of my study, out of my reading, I've come to a conviction that this is my definition of forgiveness. I believe that if you take the role of judge, you will not be able to forgive. I see forgiveness as passing judgment to God. That's what forgiveness is. It's passing judgment to God. If you don't pass judgment to God, I think you could do one of two things. The first thing is that you want revenge. And the way that you seek revenge, you could spite that person, you could talk behind their back. You can always tell the person who's got bitterness in their heart because they'll always talk badly about people. They've got unforgiveness in their heart. Revenge. The other thing that could happen is resentment. It's just in, inside your heart. You might not say it out loud. You might not say it loudly, but in your heart you're just angry. Just in anguish against that person. You've never, gone, you've never gone to them and actually talked to them about it, but you're just so bitter inside. So you could be resentment against that person. We must live out of diligent action. 
Let me just quickly do a demonstration, right? Because I think this is what happens to us as we go through life, right? So we're kind of born with a blank page. Now, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about people who sin against us. All right? So what happens is that as people sin against you, you kind of, they're all in your mind, and you jot them down. And this is your record as you go through life. And you can always tell the people haven't got forgiveness because they go to you, look what you've done to me! Look what you did! For six years you did that to me! And they go to God, look what they've done to me! For 16 years they did that to me! Half of my life! And you keep a record of wrong. And the reason you do that is because you want justice. And the person who holds on to this, they've got revenge and resentment in their heart. Let me tell you, forgiveness is saying, God, you are just. God, you are holy. You are the righteous judge of all the earth. And I choose in my pain, though I don't feel it, to say, God, you have every right to judge. And I pass that judgment to you on the cross. That's what forgiveness is. We don't always forgive out of a feeling, guys. We don't always forgive out of a feeling. We do not feel into forgiveness. We act our way into forgiveness. We must make the choice. R.T. Kendall says this, Forgiveness is a crisis of the will. If you wait until you feel like doing it, you probably never will. It's true, isn't it? If you wait until you feel like forgiving someone, it's not going to happen, guys. It's an act, okay? It's an action. Back to the text. What does the forgiveness look like? In verse 12 of this passage, it says this, Therefore, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive. Whatever grievances you may have against one another, forgive as the Lord forgives you. The word in there, which we can quickly look over, is to clothe ourselves. Our clothing's an act, yeah? It's a verb. It means we've got to do something. Right? Being a Christian isn't a passive adventure. It's something we need to make a choice to do. And in Romans, when it says about, you know, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah, God renews our mind. But you see, we have the ability to, to discern God's will over our life and to act on it. That's what we do. We act on it. So forgiveness is an act. It's something that we do out of a command of what God tells us to do. Not because we feel like it, but what we're doing is saying, God, you are the righteous judge and I pass that judgment onto you. And that is what I would say forgiveness is. We don't feel our way into forgiveness. You know, we don't even pray our way into forgiveness. If people prayed for you, that wouldn't mean that you would necessarily, oh, oh, I suddenly feel so much better. I've forgiven that person. No, it's an act. You have to make an active choice. Steph Liston says this, it's a decision that we all have to make, not a feeling we have to look for. You won't find it. You won't find it. Forgiving is not about forgetting. Forgiving is not forgetting. I don't expect any of you to forget some of these things that have happened to you. Forgiving is not forgetting. It's making an active choice to not count those sins against that person and pass the judgment of that person to God. Last point. Forgiveness costs 
a forgiver. Ali, just saying these things as though they're easy. No. Forgiveness costs the forgiver. Again, R.T. Kendall says this, total forgiveness is painful. It hurts when we kiss revenge goodbye. It hurts to think of that person getting away with what they did and nobody knowing about it. But when I know fully what they did and accept in my heart that they will be blessed without any consequence of their wrong, I've crossed over into the supernatural. This means I've begun to be a little like Jesus. Remember God's choice, guys. God's choice to forgive. The whole of this series, as we've been going through the last couple of months, we've been looking at who we are in Christ, living out of who we are in Christ. You know that our identity is Christ's identity. Our lifestyle choices must be Christ's choices. We need to clothe ourselves with Christ. In the update, or as you came in this morning, you'd have been given a sheet. And I think one of the main issues of forgiveness is that people don't understand who they are in Christ. So can I just encourage you to look through this this week, maybe put it on the back of your toilet door or something so you can read it. It says this, 1 Corinthians 6, I am bought with a price. A price so costly. I am a saint. I am free forever from condemnation. I am free from any charge against me. I cannot be separated from the love of God. Good news, isn't it? I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. I have been redeemed. I have been forgiven. I have been adopted. This is who we are in Christ. And can I just say about forgiveness? You know what I used to do when I was younger, right? Excuse my nose. When I was younger, before I'd go to bed, I'm talking quite young, right? Before I go to bed, I'll, I'll say a prayer like this. Lord, please forgive me. Everything that I've ever done and everything that I will do, uh, anything that I possibly could have done which I can't remember. And Lord, just in case I sin in my sleep tonight, please forgive me that as well. Because if you come, like you say, as a thief in the night, I want to be right with you, right? That's the kind of prayer that I pray. And it might sound sweet, but it's totally gospelless. You know, if you have received Christ into your heart, it says that your sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Your transgressions have been removed from you. And do you know what God does? He doesn't just say, well, here's your sin taken away. He replaces that with all the benefits of Christ. And that's what he does. I understand, I'm not too much of a techie person. I understand that if you open a Word document and write a Word document, save it in your computer, you can delete it and it will go to your recycle bin. All right, I think this is right. If you delete it from the recycle bin, a good techie, all right, I don't know, I'm looking at Ryan, a good techie will be able to still retrieve that document from your hard drive. All right, it's true. Do you know what Jesus does? He, it says in Psalms 51 that he blots out our sin. This is what he does, right? This is what we've got. He opens up the document, he deletes the context, and he pastes in its place these things that we're reading here. United with the Lord, bought with a price. I'm a saint set apart from God. Remember what my mum said, this program is no longer viewing God's grace. That's what God has given us in replacement. That's what God has given us as a replacement. And he goes to file, save as, and he goes, Alid cousin. That's what he's done for me. That's what he's done for me. Simon Thurston, that's what he's done for you. And everything that was credited to Christ is now credited into your account. And don't think that if you sin, post... I met a guy once as well, I'm going to say loads of stories, I'll, I'll 
be quite amazing. I, was, I met a guy, I remember, I don't get this very often, but I just felt the Spirit tell me that I was about to meet someone that I needed to talk to. And I don't get this very often, so I just knew it was God. And I was cleaning my car outside my mum's house. I was just cleaning the car. And a guy walked around the corner delivering leaflets, and I just knew that I had to speak to him. And, I, and he said to me, get this, he says, what a beautiful day the Lord has made. That's what he said to me. What a beautiful Lord. I, I just thought, man, is he trying to evangelise me? So, so I, I just, isn't, yeah, it's great, isn't it? And this guy turned out to be a Christian. Anyway, we had this really great conversation, and we spoke for about 45 minutes, and I went to drive him home. But the thing that he didn't understand, like, just like me when I was younger, he believed that all the way up to his conversion in Christ, Christ had forgiven his past. But he, like me, he felt that ever since his conviction, when he'd done his sin, he felt he was under this burden of God's wrath. And I was trying to say to him, you know, God, Jesus at the cross died for sin. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, all sin, all sin has been taken away at the cross. You know, if you believe anything otherwise, you're discrediting Christ on the cross. You're saying that Christ is not enough to me, that Christ can forgive my past sin, but I still need to make amends for the future. No, Christ's sin has taken away. Christ, sorry, Christ's forgiveness has taken away all of your sin. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus chose to forgive. God chose to forgive. And our response to that, it says in Matthew about... Yeah, I, I will say it, although I was kind of hoping I wouldn't. He, in Matthew, Jesus says that he who forgives, God will forgive. If he doesn't forgive another sin, then God won't forgive your sin. Yeah? Well, that seems, some people think, God, I don't understand that. Does that mean that I lose my salvation? No. This is what I believe Jesus is saying. He's saying that when you come to an understanding of God's grace on your life, the outworking of that is that you will say, be forgiven because I've been forgiven much. That's the outworking of the Spirit in your life. That's the fruit. You know, Matt, Matt was saying last week about the cherry tree. One of the fruits of the cherry tree is us to say, Lord, we want to forgive because we have been forgiven much. And what Jesus is saying is not that your salvation will be lost. He's saying, if you have got a heart here this morning who is unrepentant and unforgiving, if you hold bitterness in your heart and you never forgive people, God's saying, hang on a minute, have you understood salvation in the first place? Have you understand God's story in the first place? There's a bigger picture going on here. You have offended. You first need to seek forgiveness from God. And that's the story of forgiveness. That's the story of forgiveness. Is it hard to swallow? Yes. Is it difficult? No. But Jesus, as he had nine-inch nails rammed through his wrists and his, and, his, and his ankles on the cross, and the cross falls into the pit, and he says, Christ! God, forgive them. They do not know what they do. And he even evangelizes the guy on the right of him. How cool is this? Today you'll be with me in paradise. In anguish and pain on the cross. And he's still saying, God, forgive. That's God's heart for forgiveness. Did he want to? You know what? I'm sure there was some desire in his heart. That, yeah, of course he wanted to. Because God loved us. But in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweated tears of blood. God was in anguish. It cost him everything. And the outworking of that, we have a choice this morning. We have a choice to live in who we are in Christ and do as the Bible says to forgive those who sin against us. Or we have a choice not to. Can I just have a warning though, a tag on warning there. If you do not choose recovery, if you do not choose to give your sins 
to God, you will not be forgiven by God. If you do not choose, make a choice to put your, your hurts and say, Lord, you are the judge of all the earth and I'll allow you to judge in the way that you see fit and I hand that situation to God, then you'll find it very difficult to forgive, guys. Very difficult to forgive. I just... I'm going to finish there in a minute. We're going to have the band back up and I want us to respond. And I know in some ways I may not have done this subject justice, but if you hear anything today, I want it to be this. You are loved by God and despite your history, despite your background, if you ask God for forgiveness, full forgiveness is available for you at the cross today, this morning. And can I urge you, if you have never done that, don't leave this building until you do because it will be the best choice that you ever make. And it will be the very same reason that for all eternity we'll give glory to God and celebrate all that he's done for us. Amen? Okay. I've just got two, two last things. Um, Joe Thurston was saying to me, just passed a message on through my wife, just saying that she had a picture of almost like luggage sacks, like luggage labels on you that are wrong. And I just feel that God will say, It's time to have your new luggage labels, take the false ones off, know where your destination is, know that you're forgiven. And another one, and I never have this, so this could be totally out there. I just feel that someone in this section over here, I believe that you've been gone a long time, and I believe God would say that you've been trained as a fighter. And I don't understand this. He says you've been trained as a fighter, and I want to train you as a forgiver. I think you've got bitterness in your heart for something, and I believe God will say, you've been trained as a fighter. Someone over here, you've been trained as a fighter, I want to train you as a forgiver. I think I'd better stop. Can we have the band back up? Is that all right? I just... Yeah, thank you. Should we stand up and respond to God, please? We're going to sing Love Before the Dawn of Time again because we need to understand that we are forgiven by God. I just want us to... Are you happy for me to do this? I just want us to respond in three different ways. The first one, and I'll say the most important one, if you have never made a choice to live for Jesus... If you have never understood, maybe you didn't even know that there was true forgiveness available for you. Maybe you didn't even know. Well, I'm telling you now, this is the only place at the foot of the cross that you'll find true forgiveness. And I'm going to be down here on your front left and I would love you to come and talk to me now. And you know, you might just have a few questions that need to be answered. That's fine. I would rather you come and ask me questions and decide there than say in your heart now, no, I'm sure it's probably not right for me. So can I just encourage you to come down in a minute as we start singing this song. And there's two other ones. There's one, I feel there's a category here. There are people here that have hurt someone, hurt someone that they feel that they'll never be able to ask forgiveness. Either they've moved away or they've died. And I feel that God will say that I am the judge of all the earth and it is I who forgive all your sins and all your iniquities. And I want you to respond to God this morning and say, Lord, though I cannot ask for forgiveness from that person, I ask it from you, and I know that you are just to restore me and make me feel brand new again. That's the second category. Oh, sorry. 
And the last category, right? <laughs> the last category is this. That if you want to respond in forgiveness, if you want to forgive someone that you have found it difficult to forgive in the past, it says in the Bible that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Who we are, we can put on Christ. We can live in the new hope of Christ. And it's a command in the Bible to forgive, but it comes us a whole lot easier when you know how much you've been forgiven. God has forgiven us much, hasn't he? Isn't he good? Let's just, for a second, let's just applaud God and let's just say, Lord, you are so worthy of all our praise. Thank you, God, for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for abundant mercy. Thank you for abounding grace. Thank you for running after us, I pray. Thank you, Lord. So we're just going to sing this song. Remember the three categories. Either you feel that you cannot ask forgiveness of someone because they've died or they've gone away. You want to ask God to help you to forgive someone that you've never forgiven. Or you want to respond to God's forgiveness. Come down and see me at the front now. I think that's clear. Yeah? And we're going to sing this song.